The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by The Spin-Off with help from Callaghan Innovation, New Zealand's innovation agency. Here's your host, Simon Pound. Imagine escaping a war zone to come to a country only to find the job market shut, so you choose to go back to the war zone to have more opportunities. That is the reality of some lives, a reality that led today's guest to leave comfortable corporate life to create a company in London to provide openings for those refugees. The company is Nemi Tees, and they create employment opportunities right across the business, with the first steps being running chai stalls at festivals and markets. They sell their tea through retail and wholesale, and are plastic-free, using innovative materials and techniques to keep the nasty stuff out, of which there's a surprisingly large amount when it comes to standard packaged tea. It's a growing business with a never-shrinking problem to address, but part of a cool wave of businesses that help make the idea true that you can vote for the kind of world you want to live in with every dollar you spend. To talk social enterprise, the journey, and what's next, founder CEO Pranav Chopra, who once called Wellington an Auckland home, joins us now. Gilda, good morning. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. Hey, um, th- thanks for being here. T- tell us a little bit about your background, because you came through kind of corporate, MBA, a uh, bit of social enterprise as well, before making this leap, hey? Yeah, it's been it's been a super interesting journey uh, over the last uh, sort of 10, 12 years um, since I graduated. Um, did uh, initially uh, worked a couple of years in banking, uh, and this was over in Sydney, actually. Um, so graduated in Wellington and moved over to Sydney, did a couple of years in banking and then sort of moved away from that and um, started working in the consulting world. So did management consulting and right along the way sort of, you know, always always interested in sort of social impact, social enterprise uh, sector and um, had a couple of other startups that I'd um, sort of supported and advised on um, and then came across this the whole issue of sort of refugee integration in UK, Europe and sort of I thought, let's do something about it. Yeah, it's... And absolutely, like from New Zealand, we're so insulated from from so many things. But it's been such a huge uh, kind of epoch-defining event, hasn't it? These huge waves of uh, migration caused by all of these wars that these European powers like to go and kind of get involved with through the Middle East and through the, the Near East as well. Uh, and we just don't really understand the, the level of the challenges around the movements and the integration from here, do we? 
yeah it's it's so far removed unfortunately but it's it's a huge reality um over in um europe especially um in germany where loads and loads of refugees uh came over and just over in um, generally across europe um and us uh, sorry uk faces a huge um sort of struggle as well because um, they are looking to uh, provide settlement for refugees um however sort of the job market's quite tricky um you know uh, uh, the refugees looking to gain jobs uh, face major hurdles. Um, so that causes issues uh, when you're looking to sort of resettle in the new homes. And that causes issues around uh, integration into the broader society. And that's where we thought we have to do something um, to help them um, better settle. And so it would have been something you would have been kind of aware of because there's so much, there would have been so much of it in the in the news and the general uh, climate with, you know, like, a million people being uh, taken into Germany, for example, which is, you know, a phenomenal numbers. What was the actual thing that tipped you from kind of being aware and interested to deciding to make a social enterprise business around it? Yeah, so it was back in um, October 2015, actually, um, and I was still uh, doing my corporate, um, sort of living my corporate life, where a group of my friends uh, went to a communal cafe in North London and it's called Hornbeam Cafe, went down there and they had a community meal, um, a sort of sit-down uh, dinner where they were going to serve uh, Syrian food. I never had Syrian food, so that's where sort of a group of my mates or oh, you're like, let's do this, you know, experience some Syrian food. They had poetry going on, music, um, went there. And on the table, given it was communal dining, uh, there were a couple of guys next to me. Uh, their main names were Muhammad and Anwar. And um, just got started talking. Um, and, you know, the usual questions, where you're from, what do you do? Um, and sort of the stories emerged from there were like, yes, hey, I'm Anwar. I'm from Sudan. I'm a political journalist. Um, you know, sort of I worked 18, 20 years. So very experienced and like perfect English. And so the question when I asked um, was, where do you work in the UK? Because he's been there about four or five years. Um, he was like, I, I don't have a job. Um, and I was like, okay, well, surely you must have had a job. And he's like, I've applied for thousands of jobs and I haven't got anything. Um, and then again, the very naive question, why not? Uh, and he's just like, I don't have local work experience. Um, or um, And the other one, sometimes he does get the interview given his amazing experience uh, where he struggles overcoming that um, sort of, I guess the last hurdle is lack of local um work experience and not having a local referee mm. so it's pretty much anyone who can vouch saying yes Unruh will come to work on time those sort of the most two basic hurdles that a local would is, you know overcome straight away that's where they sort of um, trip over mm. and that's where sort of really hit me saying we need to do something about this and as a joke to Unruh I mentioned so are you saying I just need to set up a UK company which you can set up on UK's a company's house in literally about 10 minutes and employ him for something, will that do the trick? And he said, yes, that's all I need. So it's pretty much, uh, that's where I uh, went and um, set NMUTs. That's, that's so cool. Had the idea for a tea company being kind of bubbling away behind the scenes? Or was this purely a kind of, that's something I love, let's do it? I didn't know it was going to be a tea company. So in October 2015, when I met Anwar, I set up a shell company. And it sat around doing nothing till March the following year. And that's where um, over that sort of summertime, 
um, just, um, you know, we're sort of brainstorming some ideas about what to do next. And sort of that's where the chai, the tea um, angle came to the business where um, I've got Indian heritage myself uh, living in the UK. There's lots of Indians out there. Um, and uh, chai is a big thing within my family. We're always looking to um, sort of drink some freshly brewed chai. And just look around the markets, the food markets at that time, and I was just like, no one's actually brewing it the traditional way. It just made no sense because there's such a big demand. Um, any anyone that goes to India uh, loves, um, you know, falls in love with chai. Um, so I was just like, why don't we actually set up a chai stall, um, a traditional chai stall in the food markets? will employ the refugees, so help them overcome those barriers, get some work experience in a retail, in the retail uh, um, sort of hospitality space. Um, they've got work experience, and that should help them also sort of practice their English, um, sort of regain their confidence, um, and just overall become sort of, you know, um, I guess, uh, become more confident. Because it's such a blanket term, this idea of refugee, isn't it? Like, because it goes right from... If you look at like the Syrian example, which was a wildly middle class country, wasn't it? Although it kind of has been othered by the media so much, like uh, extraordinary middle class, extraordinary education levels, um, very comfortable living standards. And then because of this war being executed on their doorstep, a whole lot of people moving. So a whole lot of you know professionals kind of suddenly as refugees. But then it goes right through the spectrum to people who have had to leave because of uh, you know being involved in wars themselves or whatever, isn't it? So it's quite a it's quite a crazy catch all to work with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, uh, there was right at the start actually um, one of our first refugees. Um, sort of we hired Mohammed, who's actually from Aleppo in Syria and I've actually you know through my sort of corporate career I've met some really well-off people that day when he was like he was telling me about his story from Aleppo um, he he was I've never met such a rich um, sort of man in, in my life he was just showing me his photos of his mansion that he had in Aleppo all these Maseratis etc um, as his cars like and here he was basically all alone in the UK um, sort of living um, at someone's house for free and really struggling uh, to um, ends meet. So, you know, that tra transformation as he's had is just amazing. Like, you know, so that's where we really need to go out there uh, out of our own ways to help them. And create, like you say, those opportunities where people can get their, their confidence back or, or get like um, understand that it's possible wherever they are. Yeah. Yeah, wow. And how did you go about actually starting this company so you started very strongly in the chai space didn't you but tea is very central to both uh indian and uk kind of society isn't it how did you broaden it out as well yeah so um chai was the initial concept um you know we started running the chai stalls um and that was great people were very interested and they were like oh can we buy this blend so we can actually brew it at home and that's where we're like oh there's a bit slightly bigger business opportunity here um, so we started creating the actual blends, so um, selling more retail packs. Then um, we sort of reached out to a few cafes, local cafes, and they're like, we love your chai, but um, would prefer to buy tea from one supplier. So if you've got the sort of the traditional Earl Grey's and the English breakfast and the green teas, we'll love to work with you, especially given your social mission. Um, and again, that's sort of, we were like, okay, if that's what you want, uh, we'll work on that. And that's where sort of we did a lot more research, met some amazing tea suppliers in the UK um, and got, you know, I don't really come from a tea background. So 
have learnt a lot on the job, as you call it, and um, it's it's been an interesting journey. Um, and now we're a fully fledged tea company um, selling both retail and wholesale. And we'll be back in a minute to hear uh, a bit more about. There's some really interesting stuff about how you manage to make everything plastic free. And we'll be back in two to hear about that. If you love the spin-off, the best way to show it is to become part of the spin-off members. This is the fund that helps us keep free and accessible to all without a paywall. It also funds some of our most important and acclaimed journalism. You can pay what you want, check it out through the spin-off. Hi, I'm Russell Brown and I'll make a podcast for the spin-off called Actually Interesting. Those are also the initials of its topic, artificial intelligence, which is very interesting. You can find us on your favourite podcast providers or on thespinoff.co.nz. Yeah, so, so not having had that tea background, like, did that allow you to look at things in a totally fresh way? Because looking at your packaging and the way that you put things together, there are so many cool things that you're doing that are not the norm in tea. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, um, you know, we had that ethos around sustainability from day one uh, around sort of whatever we do um, had to be in in line with our social mission, which is to provide employment opportunities for refugees. So, you know, every decision that was made uh, in terms of business decision had to align with those uh, values that we had. So it actually um, was pretty um, sort of, I guess, streamlined that way um, in terms of Everything that we decided on um, had to be in line with those values. So, for example, when we were launching our tea bags, we went to tea bag manufacturers. Uh, they the question was asked: Would you like um, sort of biodegradable or non-biodegradable tea bags? And I was actually quite surprised. I thought we wouldn't really have a choice. It should just be biodegradable tea bags. And you know, but however, they are much more expensive. Um, so it just depends as a startup as we are. Um, you know, you can take those shortcuts, but then again, it doesn't align with our social uh, mission. So along along the journey, um, we've just stuck to our guts and uh, here we are now um, becoming 100% sort of plastic-free, biodegradable um, tea company where our tea bags are made by cornstarch. Uh, the material is called Soylon um, and it's biodegradable and compostable. All our packaging, it's made of a material called NatureFlex. Um, which is um, wood pulp, and again, it's 100% compostable as well. So we've really sort of nailed those uh, a few things down to make sure that we're in line with our values. There's a lot of secret nasties in tea bags uh, that, that aren't made in such good ways, aren't there? Like people may be surprised to find out just how much kind of microplastic is inside tea bags if they're not made in these ways, and also things like the glues that people use can be full of. Um, uh, Pretty horrid chemicals, which you just don't really think about when you're having yourself a nice hot cuppa when you're melting them and making them available to your body. What? What? what tell me about the ultrasound thing because that was new news for me. Yeah. So um, again, we did more research around sort of tea bags and how they're made. Um, so you know the actual material, as I mentioned, uh, we decided to uh, use a uh, sort of a biodegradable material. Then we looked at actual the string that gets attached to the tea bag, and that's typically um, using uh, glue, which has got uh, PVC material inside it. Um, and there's other alternatives, which is the ultrasound, which is literally just pure heat uh, that. Uh, sort of, I guess, melts onto the tea bag itself. So that reduces um, the plastic that goes into that glue as well. So, you know, we've looked at the entire 100% sort of what the tea bag entails and seen how we can actually completely remove uh, plastic usage in it. 
all that stuff sounds quite kind of expensive and hard. Like, how do you go about actually funding a model which um, has higher training needs, higher kind of, you know, employ- employee uh, engagement kind of costs? You've got to build out and, and make it. You're taking on really big established players. Yeah. Well, h- how do you go about doing that? <laughs> yeah, so that's, a, that's been a huge journey uh, in itself um, around sort of funding. Um, we've, um, I guess, uh, luckily, uh, early on, the UK has a few sort of government bodies which support social enterprises. So we've got a couple of grants uh, to get the, the Chai model going. Uh, and since then, uh, we've proven the model, raised some more social investment ourselves. Uh, we've taken on some debt funding as well to scale our business uh, and really prove that, um, I guess, uh, the value in our model um, and this year we've actually scaled our business to a sort of a level where we can actually finally reach out to uh, larger investors uh, equity investors who are um, sort of are more around sort of the impact investing model uh, that are looking to help scale social businesses and uh, that's the plan for expansion now what scale is the business at now so over the last couple of years uh, has been sort of, you know, really setting up the business. Uh, within the food business, uh, we decided to, um, I, there's, obviously there's retail and wholesale. We've got a, we've got a, um, a sort of a really nice retail packaging product, uh, which has been great. Um, but we realized very early on, uh, in order to employ uh, refugees, more refugees, we need to bring scale. Scale brings through, comes through wholesale. So we need to sell a lot of tea bags to create jobs. And how do you do that? You go wholesale, or you start supplying to airports, hotels, offices, etc. And that's where we shifted our focus, the, uh, the, the company strategy. And as I mentioned earlier on, every business decision is in line with what we are set up to do. So here it just made natural sense to focus on wholesale. Uh, and over the last year, we've captured clients like PwC, Ernest & Young, General Mills, SAP. It's a large corporate offices across the UK that are using our teas in their meeting rooms, boardrooms, uh, conference centers, etc. So that's where our focus is over the next um, two to three years as well. Ah, that's so cool to get that kind of scale from you know one procurement meeting rather than a thousand cafes that you've got to build a network for. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and that's, that's the magic in itself. We're actually, funnily enough, uh, reaching out to thousands of retail cons- consumers through the offices. So they're getting to know uh, about Nemi Teas, which is relatively a very br- a new brand within the tea, tea market. It's a very saturated market, especially in the UK. Very well-established players. Um, so you really need to carve out your niche. And that's where we've come in with high-quality, um, strong focus on sustainability and the positive social impact as well. So that combination is something that really differentiates us mm-hmm. compared to other um, peers in the market. And with that story, has that helped you find a place on the shelves of progressive retailers? And, you know, uh, I saw on your Instagram that there's a, a deal happening with um, Co-op, which is kind of like the, the you know, like a 7 eleven kind of thing with a bit of a supermarket-y kind of carry-on, isn't it? Yeah, no, uh, Co-op's been a really interesting deal. Um, and yes, having that social element definitely helps. Uh, we actually um, met the CEO of Co-op at one of the awards that we won uh, for our work uh, in supporting refugees. So, you know, that's a perfect example showcasing how 
sort of uh, us implementing that social impact model within our business has helped um, sort of, I guess, open up those opportunities. But then again, um, you know, you might be uh, having a very strong social model and helping lots and lots of people. But if the product's not that great, not you won't go too far because at the end of the day, the consumers are having a cup of tea. So if they're not enjoying the tea, fine, you might get listed with a big um, sort of supermarket or you might um, get a big client like PwC. But over time, and that will be very quick, if your product's not up to the mark, you will lose the contract. Mm-hmm. So there, has, there is that fine balance. What kind of pathways have you been able to open up in employment? Because I, I see uh, from your, 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 your story that it's, uh, it's not just kind of the entry level on the streets that you're wanting to create. Yeah, so early on, um, definitely it was uh, running the tea stalls. Uh, and then over time, as we've scaled, we've created more job opportunities um, for the refugees. They work uh, now in sort of right across our supply chain. So they work in our warehouses where they do the blending and the packaging of the teas. Uh, they also do lots of events. Um, so we do pop-up tea stalls at corporate offices, at TEDx talks, uh, conferences, they also work within our um, office um, itself to do a lot of, um, I guess, research, uh, social media marketing um, as well. So right across the supply chain, uh, as you may call it, uh, giving them that diverse sort of work experience. Um, so we've been able to help 18 refugees now. Over the last three years, we've employed 18 refugees. 12 have gone on to working into part-time or full-time employment, and the, uh, the rest have gone into education. Um, so it's it's been a great success story so far, and we're looking to continue that. And by getting the word out there and kind of shining a light on the general challenge of employment opportunities for uh, recent refugees and the like, has that helped to spur other businesses and to make it kind of change the hiring practices of some of these people that you've come in contact with as well? Yeah, no, uh, definitely has. Um, actually, with all our partners um, that we work with, uh, we try and promote them to hire our trained um, staff members as well. So we've got cafes that we supply our teas to. Uh, we've actually um, sort of referred them on onwards. They've employed our refugees, which has been great. Now, the more the bigger corporates are very interested as well, especially within their hospitality teams. Um, they are interested in hiring our trained staff as well. So, no, definitely there's a lot a lot more interest in the model and a lot more learnings to be taken away. So there is, um, you know, more and more people getting uh, on the bandwagon, I suppose. Yeah, because that's one of the coolest things about social enterprise when it does shine a light on something that people can, I mean, they can help by buying the tea and enjoying it, but they can also help by kind of, I don't know, looking at uh, resumes that come in that have names that aren't familiar to them and actually interviewing people and not taking no experience as a, as a, as a no, you can't come in. No, no, exactly. And and that's where sort of, um, I guess, what we are sort of the vetting point um, of the recruitment process. Um, so very recently, we're working on a partnership with Greg's, which is the uh, UK's largest bakery. Um, so it's the bakery version of McDonald's. Um, and the plan is to actually uh, employ refugees within our sort of a tea cart model that we're implementing, um, so which is training refugees in hospitality, in customer service, um, I guess um, their English levels, and then placing them in those bakeries across the UK. So that's the sort of model that we're trying to implement as well. So we're really promoting businesses across the UK to employ refugees because they are amazing people. Uh, they're very, very talented um, and they want to work 
there's no there's no refugee that I've met so far who's who's basically said no I'm happy to be on benefits or I'm happy not to work just put yourself in their position and think about it it's just not doesn't make sense why would you want to just stay home and yeah. not contribute to the society and in terms of you know, when you started out on this mission, having, um, you know, you had been involved before in social enterprise projects, hadn't you? Uh, so it wasn't completely fresh to it. But, you know, what what did people say when you were like, I'm going to, you know, stop doing business consulting uh, and I'm going to throw my lot in on this tea company working with kind of, uh, you know, an, an unproven model and stuff. Did people say it was going to be too hard or try to dissuade you or say you were bananas? Yeah, well, this is um, so. I actually started my business right after I did my MBA, and I told my dad I was going to set up this tea company, and he's like pretty much disowned me since then. <laughs> he's just like, just does not make sense. How are you going to pay that massive loan that you've got? And the thing is, you know, you don't have to do fancy MBAs to set up. You know, um, um, join big banks and big consulting houses. You can actually set up amazing businesses and be it a social business or a business in general uh, and really utilize those skills and the knowledge that you gain from those um, degrees. And um, so, yeah, it's been an interesting journey and hopefully I'm still trying to prove my dad wrong that, yeah, look, it wasn't a bad decision. Um, but, you know, um, you know, he's proud from what he's seen. He's met a few of our staff members actually in person and he's seen the impact that we've been able to create. So it's that human element that comes through more uh, than just, um, you know, paying salaries, paying because it's we are changing their lives um, and it's not just theirs. It's their dependents as well. So they sort of the social impact is not just one refugee on average is about sort of three to four people in a family and that's where we're really changing their lives because they the kids want to see their dad going to work or their mom going to work so it's that's the sort of a human change that we're trying to create and what advice would you have for people who are you know interested in trying to p- partner up kind of impact and enterprise because it's such a cool you know there's there's that bit of instagram wisdom which i absolutely love which is every dollar you spend is a vote for the kind of world you want to live in and so there are lots of choices that you can make in your day to do things better like and it's this, this wonderful way like what, what advice would you have for someone thinking about it um i guess it's a really simple advice to really get out there and do it like you know i think a lot of people especially these days are becoming more sort of i guess interested uh in in this space and everyone's uh, sort of that school of thought is like i'd love to be involved love to be involved but i think it's just a matter of really reaching out to any sort of um business that you are a big fan of you know um especially through social media everyone's following this really cool businesses you'll be surprised of how much support the entrepreneurs need uh given they can't really hire big teams because of funding issues etc um they would love your support so if you're a really big follower you know the the entrepreneurs will get back to you so it's just as easy as a message dropping them a message on the social media platform saying hey you know i'm a procurement manager um at um, coca-cola or i'm a you know um, sort of finance specialist uh, at a big bank can i help you with your finances any any help goes a long way yeah and people may have skills or networks as well of people you can introduce and share the word yeah, absolutely. Networks goes a long way. Uh, introductions, any intros have helped us a long way in our journey as well. So definitely those networks um, are worth a, uh, worth a lot of money. Oh, that's so cool. And, and you know, you, you're kind of a, a few years in uh, and have had some great successes so far, but what will success be for you with NEMEDs? 
So success is a really interesting metric, I suppose. Um, and when we were able to employ our first refugee, Unra, who I sat uh, and had the dinner on day one back in October 2015, I thought, you know, as a team, we thought that was that was a huge success in itself. So we were successful actually back then because what we set out to do uh, and we, we were able to provide uh, employment to Unra and actually um, complete the story because he worked with us, he gained that local work experience and then we actually placed him um, in a, a local publishing house after he published um, sort of um, blogs on our website, we hashtagged him on sort of Arabic newspapers and he got a uh, freelance consulting gig out of it. We haven't seen him since. So, you know, he's in, um, sort of he's been doing some really amazing work. But that's sort of what success is to us is all about, you know, helping them get on that journey. So it's been it's been a great journey so far for us as well. Ah, that's so cool. Well, thank you for coming and sharing the story. That's the CEO founder of Nimitis. Pranav Chopra, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for your time. Hey, and uh, if you are interested, um, oh, I was going to ask you, actually, can, can you get hold of it in New Zealand? Like, uh, I suppose you could buy it online, but have you got a, you know, a New Zealand chapter starting? Um, we're looking out for some uh, distributors here. So, you know, anyone listening out there who's interested in um, sort of stocking our teas, definitely. Uh, but at the moment, it's just online. We will deliver out to New Zealand, uh, but online shopping for now. Okay, well, if you're a distributor, get in touch. And uh, hey, th- thanks very much for uh, producing this morning, Tina Tiller, and thank you very much for having us along and listening. Cheers. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. And brought to you by The Spin-Off and Callahan Innovation. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring, brought to you by SparkLab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on SparkLab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, Jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.